Hey, what up, man? This is Eddie Kingston, the Mad King Outlaw Inc. What the deal? You're listening to another wrestling podcast. Get at me. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. Speak to me, Warrior! You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that sucker? <laughs> Alright, welcome to another wrestling podcast, episode 64. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. Jonathan, uh, what a show we're going to have tonight, right? I don't want to take your line, but what is it? It's going to be probably the greatest show that we've done so far. And I'm going to hold you to that, Jonathan, till the very end. Uh, guys, if you're tuning in for the first time ever, welcome. Uh, we, we want you to stick around. Head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Find out all of our shows uh, from from yesteryear. Now that we can, we've been over a year by now, so now we can set, kind of say that uh, we have 63 episodes. If you're listening to this one, that you still have to check out, Jonathan. If I'm listening for the first time, why do I need to go and check out one through 63? Well, I'll tell you right now. The first thing is we've had some amazing guests in our first year. We've had everybody from Tiny Zeus Lister. We've had Maria Canellas, Mickey James. We've had. WWE's own Neville. We've had literally almost everybody um, and anybody that you want to know about in the world of professional wrestling. But as far as our podcast goes, we do things a little differently around these parts. Uh, We don't just tell you about what shows that you've been watching this week. We don't talk about Raw that much. We don't talk about TNA. Um, We talk about topical things, things that you guys want to hear uh, us talk about and as a matter of fact i think this week we got a call from our very own hotline steve do you want to tell us about our hotline that we have that's right guys and gals uh, if you want to call talk to us leave us a message we well, can't really talk to us it's, it's strictly a voicemail kind of thing so just to put it out there uh give us a call ask us a question ask jonathan something ask me something tell us our previous show that you listen to whether you agree you disagree you love it you hate it you whatever it doesn't matter we'll play we'll play the best ones guys uh 1-802-297-7672 that's 802-AWP-7672 guys uh it's all over our, our website and whatnot so if you need to find the number again that's what it is but here we go uh, Jesse Malloy, our good friend, uh, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, give his call, and uh, here's what he had to say. Oh, snap. It's another wrestling podcast. I never thought I'd make it to you guys. Hey, listen. I want to hear your thoughts on the almost forgotten subject of pro wrestling. Foreign objects. I mean, they're still there, but it's not like it used to be. Come on, we had a hardcore Royal Rumble in 2001. Everything was flying everywhere. I think we even might have had the kitchen sink. But nowadays, it's a kendo stick here, maybe a chair there. We're lucky if it's the steel steps. 
can we bring them back in some way, some form, some fashion? Throw it back to a table mm -hmm. a little bit more. I mean, we had some some table matches on SmackDown, and now you're lucky if Extreme Rules has a Extreme Rules match. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on the lack of weapons. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something. I know TNA and ROH have their their fair share of hardcore matches, but even then, it seems like it's not too often. But uh, love the show, love all the guests. It's always it's always a treat when you guys have a new podcast come out. Hope to hear more. All right, Jonathan. Uh, well, Jesse brings up foreign objects. Uh, we we've never really talked about foreign objects before, though. Uh, but Jonathan, I, I think that's a great thing to get into. But if you guys are going to stay tuned, because we have none other than Eddie Kingston joining us, as well as Vic Delicious talking a little bit about what's going on this weekend in Toronto, Canada, for House of Hardcore Number Nine. Jonathan, foreign objects, buddy. Uh, we never talked about it before. How how is this possible? Are you talking about things that are made in China? Uh, well, no, no. Well, you, things that you bring to the ring that you shouldn't bring to the ring, and, uh, you know, that's why they're foreign objects, right? Well, I want to talk about probably what I think would be the greatest foreign object of all time, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, I think possibly the greatest foreign object to bring to a ring would be a taco. Why, why, would, it be, why would a taco be a great foreign object? Well, um, tacos are amazing, and uh, speaking of tacos, Steve, I'm glad you brought that up. This <laughs> Saturday, yeah, this is, I'm not just riding it, it's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. This Saturday, July the 18th, from 12 to 2 p.m., you can meet me, Jonathan Benjamin, you can meet him, Steve Credo, and hey. you can also meet... Tito Santana, Arriba. Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer. We are going to be live at Tito Santana's Taqueria in Beacon, New York. Um, Steve, what can fans or people that are coming to this event that we are helping host uh, expect on Saturday? Wow. Uh, Jonathan, from 12 to 2 p.m. only. Make sure you head on over there. Uh, guys, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a fan, if you're a mark, come on, guys. How how many times can you say, granted, even if you ever met Tito Santana before, but how many times can you say after this Saturday that you met Tito Santana at Tito Santana's Taqueria? No relation, but it was named after him pretty much. But guys, you can get a photo, you can get an autograph, you can even get a free taco with the purchase of a photo and autograph. I mean, come out, spend the few two hours with us and Tito Santana. You're, you guys, what better deal than a, a photo, an autograph, and uh, a taco can can happen in your dream of uh, dreams of Tito Santana uh, isms. I don't know, but uh, guys, what more than that do you need to come out this Saturday? Beacon, New York. Head on over to Taco Santana. Find the address because I want you to do some research. It's 2015. Google it. TacoSantana.com. We go to AnotherWrestlingPodcast.com. All the information's on there. Uh, nice little plug, Jonathan. Nice little segue. And hey, it kind of went with foreign objects, right? So I guess I guess we should start from. The definition, I guess, of a foreign object, you, you started to talk about it. I would classify it as anything that is not supposed to be used during a match. So, um, you know, usually two wrestlers get into the ring and they start their fisticuffs, if you will, and, uh, you know, person is pinned one, two, three. But sometimes when you have somebody who just will not go down, you have to bring out a foreign object so 
in in my day back in you know when we started watching wrestling in the eighties, it wasn't just uh, the foreign object that you had to watch out for. It was sometimes the manager of the wrestler that would have a foreign object. Are are you seeing where I'm going with this, Steve? I hear you, man. Um, I, I see where you're going with it. Uh, you know, uh, it's so many things involved in the foreign object, guys. Bringing it to the ring, having somebody stash it away for you, uh, you know, having that manager as that little good luck charm, the, you know, plan B, if you will, with that with that foreign object, you know, going, going old school. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Mr. Fuji and the, the salt to the eyes. Um, you know, you can even go back to, you know, the, the kendo stick, how it was revolutionized in uh, ECW and whatnot. You know, a lot of different foreign objects, Jonathan. I want to break them down. Give me some lists. Give me some Give me some of your favorites, Jonathan. What were some of your favorites, honestly, of, uh, you know, what did you love to see, you know, happen in a match that you didn't see too often? I'll tell you one of my favorites, and it's probably one of the most underrated foreign objects of all time, and it is the tag rope. Uh, a lot of guys would bring their opponent over into the corner um, during a tag match, and their partner would choke the person with a tag rope while the ref had his back turned. So that one was one of my favorites. Uh, the Brass Nucks. Uh, it was one of the greatest um, visually because the guy would actually have to, like, fish around in his pants to get this, like, brass knuckles. He would nail the guy in the head with the brass knuckles, and then he would just hide it back there, and then no one would know anything happened. So brass knuckles, the tag rope. I would say another really good one, when done right, because we've all seen it done badly, and that's the fireball. Um, you know, Jerry Lawler used to bring that out a lot in Memphis wrestling, but if anybody has seen the Ultimate Warrior versus uh, Hogan match at Halloween Havoc, it was done terribly. So um, I'm going to say... So we got tag rope, we've got brass knuckles, the fireball. I'm gonna give you two more. I'm gonna say the snake when Jake Roberts would use the snake. Typically, this was after the match, but I still count it. So um, whether it would be the cobra that was biting Macho Man or you know Damian after a match, that was an awesome foreign object and probably. A good old classic, the the steel chair, is one of my favorites as well because it's effective. Um, they don't use it a lot nowadays. They don't hit people in the head, I should say, because of the PG era. But those are probably my favorite top five foreign objects. Uh, what do you have for me, Steve? What are your favorite your your fave five as booker c says <laughs> uh fave five i mean number one jonathan i love seeing it uh was cactus jack's barbed wire bat now i know uh you know in tna you know today abyss kind of had the same kind of thing going a little bit well, a little bit maybe more crazier than what cactus had but i still have the the old school barbed wire bat to the ring nothing says i'm gonna f you up than a bat full of barbed wire uh jonathan that would definitely be the number one uh all-time favorite, uh, you know, foreign object. Um, but there's been so many, you know. I mean, I love the salt. I love when the Grey Muda, you know, spit the green mist and all that crap in people's eyes. Um, technically, it's still a foreign object, but, it, you know, it's it, it, it interfered with the match. You didn't know what it was. Is it poison? Is it, you know, the, I don't know, is he sucking on a piece of candy and just green spit? Whatever it is, 
it still looked pretty mean. Uh, I mean, so stuff like that was always cool. Like something getting thrown in your salt in your eyes, even though we probably know it was baby powder. But you know what I mean? Like just the, <laughs> the 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 knowing of it was even more uh, traumatizing. Knowing this guy has salt in his eyes now, um, stuff like that. You know, it's kind of crazy. So bad throwing salt and anything else in your eyes. Um, an old school ECW favorite classic that I would definitely say is one of the most unique foreign objects was Al Snow's uh, mannequin head. Uh, how many guys can say would bring uh, a mannequin head to the ring and use it, um, you know, as a foreign object? I mean, uh, that's it was unique, a for effort, definitely. Um, definitely a classic. A classic. I thought, not, I thought not many people one, can do it. I thought for one second that you were going to say, I don't know how many guys can say <laughs> they got head from Al Snow. <laughs> So I'm glad you didn't go that route, but I did. So, <laughs> well, uh, hey, I mean, uh, it is what it is. But you know, so you got the bad. I, I definitely even go back to Mick Foley again. One of my favorite uh, guys with many foreign objects up his sleeve, including Mr. Socko, Jonathan. What other? What other guy went from a a, ba- a barbed wire bat to a sock on his hand? Um, definitely, definitely something. Uh, Foreign object is definitely part of his finisher too, I guess you can call it, but it's it's still technically a foreign object, I guess. Um, right? I don't know. Um, and then you know, if I had to pick one more, I think maybe just the classic vintage steel chair, brother. I mean, it's always going to be there. It never fails you. Uh, when in need and you need something, just go with the steel chair and uh, you mean business, man. And you definitely mess somebody up. I know that's what I always use in the video games to cheat is I just hit the guy like 20 times with the steel chair to take his power down. But, uh, hey, it works on the video games. Why can't it work in uh, real life, right? Well, probably the most famous – one of the most famous matches that I can remember was the Rock versus Mankind in that I Quit match. And that's when the Rock like literally just wore out – Mick Foley with that chair like he just beat him senseless and I, I'm pretty sure that Mick Foley's probably still feeling a lot of those shots today so uh, it's it's a little sad because you know it does take a toll on these guys but these are the type of matches that for a while were mainstays because everybody wanted to see them every time that two people would fight the Dudleys it was you know we want tables we want tables or you know, they, they have a the whole pay-per-view dedicated to TLC or, or Extreme Rules. So these matches are pretty popular. Uh, the predecessor to, you know, everything that we have now. It probably started, I would say, with somebody just throwing a chair in the ring. But then we've, we've got all these different types of stipulations. Now, what are some of your favorite uh, stipulation matches, I guess? We've talked a little bit about them, but I would say... Involving foreign objects, what are some of your favorite stipulations? Uh, there's a little, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, all these different ones, you know, with the whole, you know, tying the rope to each other's hands, all that kind of stuff. Um, man, I don't know. I think the best stipulation that I've actually enjoyed through the years was the old TLC kind of matches, the tables, ladders, and chairs, man. Everything goes. You use what you got. I mean, those are the classic things that are going to be around the ring. Um I could say something crazy, but you know, even when they had the big barb, the old school, the the bat with the barbed wire, like I was saying with Cactus Jack, it looks cool. But then when you actually see them use it, it's not as great. It's only good for like five seconds, and then it's like, all right, I'm done with it. Uh, but you know, just classic man, tables, ladders, and chairs matches. That was it. You know, it's it's the one thing that should be known in all wrestling of you know the most common foreign objects used all the time. So those definitely those kind of matches, I was always you know a fan of. Well, speaking of foreign objects. Right now, joining us in the studio, we have somebody who is no stranger to using foreign objects 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Eddie Kingston. Another wrestling podcast fans, get ready because on today's show we have one of the most outspoken wrestlers of all time. He's been just about everywhere in the world and he isn't slowing down anytime soon. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Eddie Kingston. Hey, fellas, what's going on? Not much. How's it going today? It's going all right, man. My back doesn't hurt that much and I'm watching the All-Star game and I'm talking to you guys, so I'm pretty good. All right. Well, uh, like we were saying, uh, this Saturday, July 18th, you will once again be wrestling for a Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, we see. You That's right. Yeah, we don't. We see you don't have a scheduled match so far. But uh, is there anything you could tell the fans, maybe what your role might be this Saturday? Well, the the fans who know me know every time I get in that ring, no matter what it is, no matter how my body feels, I give 110. percent so uh, I have no idea who I'm uh, fighting. If you notice, I didn't say wrestling. I have no idea who I'm fighting at House of Hardcore, but uh, every time I go in there, it's 110%. You know, I haven't won a match yet. I'm 0-8. That includes the times I teamed up with Homicide, but, you know, we had to wrestle teams like the Stock Brothers and Devon and Matt Hardy and Bad Attention. So, you know what I mean? It's, if you're going to lose, which I hate doing it, you might as well lose to great teams like that. But, uh, sure. yeah, man, I'm going to be there. My record's expired, so I'm going to be in Canada. There's nothing on my record. All right. That's awesome. Now, uh, as you mentioned, it's not your first HOH show. What makes you keep coming back to House of Hardcore? Well, first, uh, why not? They pay well. No, I'm not. I'm joking. <laughs> No, uh, why not, man? It, I always love being part of uh, companies that are just starting up. You know what I mean? Like uh, Chikara. And, uh, you know, and I like to take a little little bit of uh, a little bit of the ego that I do have. I like to take a little bit of credit for the success that uh, AIW's having and the AAW's having since I've been there. So I like to be on the, on the ground floor or be part of an up-and-coming promotion and HOH, without a shadow of a doubt, is definitely uh, up and coming. You know what I mean? It's a great mix of the uh, old school guys and and the new school guys. And, you know, a lot of people want to compare it to uh, another certain company. I'm not going to say the name, but it's totally different. It's not It's not one of those, uh, and I think it's been proven uh, after the eight shows that it's not just another you know, revival of a certain company. It's, sure. it's definitely its own own thing going on. I try to use a big word, so I can only think of a thing. <laughs> no problem. I, it's, own enti- it's, uh, its own entity. Is that, uh, that, I hope I use that correctly. Absolutely. Sure, now... Uh, yeah, so uh, HOH stands on its own. So fans are going to be there cheering, uh, cheering anything. We should cheer, cheer uh, HOH as much as they can. Definitely. Now, uh, uh, your wrestling style has been described as a throwback to the old uh, school wrestlers. Do you take that as a compliment? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm an old man, but I grew up in in the age of brawlers and, and talkers, you know. But, uh, you know, I also grew up with, with wrestler wrestlers, you know what I mean? And um, 
I can go in there. I can I can wrestle wrestle and 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 I can do lucha. I was trained to do all that stuff. I can do very little of the British style, very little of it, but I can do it. But uh, it always seems like it always breaks down in my matches the strikes. So when we start striking, I have no problem with that. And I'll brawl, you know. Uh, my favorite American wrestlers growing up were uh, Eddie Gilbert, uh, Dick Murdoch, uh, the Bruiser and the Crusher. Sure. You know what I mean? Guys like that who I've seen. And a lot of Memphis stuff that I saw. Because like I told everyone, my mother had no idea what WWF at the time was and what NWA was. And the only way to keep me calm, I was a hyper kid, surprise. <laughs> the only way to keep me calm was to put wrestling on uh, the VHS there. And um, so she would just grab anything at a video vision, not even a blockbuster, a video vision. <laughs> and she would, she would grab whatever. And then because of that, I was able to see like Memphis wrestling and NWA and WWF as a kid. And so I got to see everything. That's great. <laughs> now, you just mentioned uh, the other company. You kind of talked about it a little bit. Um that's not HOH, but it's no secret that you were a huge ECW fan growing up. Yeah. Uh, um, do you think that you would have made it in ECW as a wrestler? Probably not. I probably would have been fired uh, over <laughs> over uh, something dumb. <laughs> That's probably what would happen. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not very corporate, and that kind of hurts my bank account. But you know, I'm making a living on the independence. You know, I'm trying to be corporate. It's just really hard when. I don't know. I'm not a suit and tie guy, and I'm not a, you know, sure. <laughs> pick your, choose your battles kind of guy. Everything's a battle to me, you yeah. know? So, plus, you know, like my my first uh, job outside, you know, before wrestling, outside of wrestling was uh, an iron worker, local 580 iron worker. And, you know, I, I worked with a bunch of guys who were just fresh out of jail or guys who were out of their minds who should be in jail. So, you know what I mean? We, there wasn't really picking and choosing battles that day. Every day was something new, you know? You were always yelling at the boss and the boss was yelling at you and, you know, in New York and telling you, get that out of here. And this guy telling you to, you know, suck you or whatever. <laughs> and then, but, you know, you were, still, you were still on the job the next day. It didn't matter, you know? Absolutely. Tempers were flared. So, you know, I, I got to change, of course, if I want to make more money, but, I think I'm doing pretty well. I like to do better, but I think I'm doing pretty well for for a kid that was supposed to be done by the time he was 17. I wasn't supposed to make it to 20, so I'm pretty good. Awesome. Now, uh, speaking a little bit of old school, uh, many wrestlers have a story of how they fell in love with wrestling. Uh, you explained a little bit about your mom taking, a, you know, buying some videos for you. Um, did that? Is that how it all started, or I mean, was there something else behind it? No, that's how it all started. You know, I remember uh, the first wrestling tape I ever saw was uh, WrestleMania three, and, and that was it. I was hooked. You know, and then uh, as time went on, uh, I saw. Uh, Ed, I just remember Eddie Gilbert sticking out to me through the like. I remember my mother got like a the best of like Memphis Mad Men or feuds or something, and uh, Eddie Gilbert was on it. And I remember him throwing a a fireball all over his face. And uh, that was it. I was hooked, man. He was the first guy that I said, okay, I want to do it, you know? Uh, and then I saw NWA and, and guys like Dusty Rhodes, rest in peace, when he did that. Everyone knows the promo, the hard times promo, when he said, you know, if you touch the screen, you know, together we can win the world championship. And I remember as a kid touching the screen. Nice. So, like, that, that got me hooked. Uh, I saw out of love 
pro wrestling because I was a big Bret Hart fan. So when Shawn Michaels uh, won at WrestleMania 12, I was like, okay, I'm done with wrestling. I was also becoming a teenager at the time, and wrestling was still very kiddish. And I just remember a friend popping in the tape of uh, ECW's uh, Gangsta Paradise, and then I was immediately uh, hooked back in with uh, characters like, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer being from where I'm from, Miyaka, uh New Jack Raven. I remember being a fan of Shane Douglas when he was in WCW with, uh, when he was teaming with Steamboat, uh, wrestling the Hollywood Blondes and stuff. Uh, you know, like, that got me all hooked. The ECW got me back hooked. And then because of ECW, I found uh, Japanese wrestling. I was already a fan of the Green Muda because of NWA. And same thing with Chono. Masahiro Chono, I was already a fan because of uh, NWA, WCW. But then uh, I didn't know the difference between all Japan and New Japan at the time. So I was just buying whatever tape said Japan on it. And uh, I saw Kenta Kabashi versus Kawada for a 60-minute draw. And that's what made me fall in love with that style of uh, professional wrestling. Sure. Now, you mentioned you're from Yonkers. My parents actually grew up in Yonkers, moved upstate uh, near Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, and being in the Northeast, as gr- growing up as a kid in Yonkers, uh, did you go to a lot of the shows up here in the Northeast? I mean, I, I know WWE and all them used to run through here uh, many times, like the Westchester oh, County yeah. Center and all that. Yeah, I went to the County Center, I, uh, especially when ECW was there, WWF was there. Uh, I also went to the Garden a lot, you know I mean, to see those uh, WWF shows. I uh, went to the Manhattan. I was at the last two ECW pay-per-views uh, before WWE picked it up and did whatever they had to do with it. And uh, I think it was like Massacre on 34th Street, and the other one was, uh, I like to think, Anarchy Rules, I probably, or Guilty as Charge, one or the other. I was at those shows, you know. I remember trying to sneak out and get a bus ticket to go to barely legal and like maybe buy a ticket like a scalp ticket or something because at that time new york wasn't cable vision yeah at that time wasn't carrying uh the ecw pay-per-view they didn't carry the first two so you know i mean i was, you know being an ecw uh fan i was like i gotta see this shit you know <laughs> yeah definitely especially the way they especially the way they hyped up uh taz and sabu and the three-way with Funk, Richards, and Sandman, you know, winning faces, Raven, all that stuff. And then, like I said, being a fan of Japanese wrestling, seeing the uh, Michinoku Pro guys being there doing a six-man, you know what I mean? So, like, all that stuff, you know, made me want to go there. All right. Now, um, we have a lot of people that are in the business today. Some of the people you can tell are a fan of the business. They've grown up watching it, such as yourself. Um, do you think that people that are in the business should be a fan of the business, or do you think that um, it's okay if they're not? Uh, I think it's okay if they're not in the beginning. But if they're still not and they're in it, then I'm kind of like, I, I just don't get it. It's not that I hate on it or, or don't agree with it. I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, being a football player going to the NFL and not being a fan of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Or, or being a fan of football, not knowing, you know, you don't have to know the history. You really don't. I know a lot of people, young people, guys in the business now don't know the history, but, uh, you know I mean? You got to still be a fan of what you're doing. And uh, the, to me, the guys who aren't fans while they're in it, 
or they pick up on it later on, and they're not fans, they, just, they won't last because the love's not there. Sure. Now, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of guys do that, mm-hmm. where they become fans later on, but really not die hard or whatever they, or whatever you want to call it. You know, then they're just they're gone before you know it. Definitely. Now, uh, after watching wrestling for many years, you signed up and you started training to become a wrestler. Uh, was breaking into the business what you expected, or was it totally different? Uh, I knew it would be hard. I you know, I, I, I don't want to say I thought it would be harder, but I knew back in the day, in the like 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even in the 90s, you know, it was a lot harder. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I did expect traveling and getting no pay. And if I did get paid, it was just for gas. And you know what I mean? I, I, I took great pride in the fact of traveling. You know what I mean? Like, like me, my old partner, Blackjack, uh, Jigsaw, and um, Bryce Renzer, the referee, would always say that we're going to be indie. We're becoming indie, which was a, a thing of, of pride for us. You know what I mean? Going to a car and then doing IWA Mid-South and then, picking up shows here and there just to get in the ring and, and pick up different states and wrestling in front of different crowds was a big, uh, big thing for us. You know, uh, the reason why I, I say it was harder back in the day, there weren't so many wrestling schools out there, mm-hmm. you know, and from the stories I hear from the veterans, I love sitting in the locker room and listening to, to the veterans, the guys who made money in the business and the guys who've been around forever. I love listening to their stories, and and they would tell you like there were no no there was maybe three four wrestling schools, and if you want to get in, you had to know a wrestler and hope he wasn't just taking your money and just taking you for a ride, using you for a ride and, and stuff like that, and that's how you broke in. And you know, it was more of a Larry Sweeney, you know, rest in peace, would tell me like when we would talk about it, and he would read all the books, and I would watch the shoot interviews and all that that it was more of a fraternity, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. back then. Sure. Like, not everyone was able just to get in. Absolutely. Um, now, you you spoke about a lot of these people that were wrestling and you kind of broke in with, um, and the business was a little bit different back then. Do you think that you got help from any wrestlers back then, or did they still kind of keep it to themselves? Oh, no, I got very lucky. I got uh, I got very lucky that a lot of the, the veterans took a liking to me, especially guys like uh, Mark Wolf, uh, Tracy Smothers, Ian Rotten, and you know Ian was running the IWA Mid South, and he would bring in people like Dusty and and Terry Funk and Chris Candido, and uh, I was lucky enough to sit around them and and just hear them talk and take their brains without even really asking them a question because they would just talk about wrestling, and I made sure that my back and and where I was changing was close enough to hear what they were saying, you know, because to me, the, you can learn only so much by being in the ring. You have to, you have to learn more by t- hearing from the guys, like especially guys who made money in the business, you know, who, or who have been everywhere. Sure. Um, now, you know, for fans out there or fans who may not know who Eddie Kingston is yet of, uh, of our show, uh, could you maybe tell them what sets uh, Eddie Kingston apart from all the other wrestlers out there today? Uh, it's real, 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 real simple. What you see is what you get. 
Eddie Kingston is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, I'm a miserable, angry prick sometimes. Well, you know, like maybe five days out of the, out of the seven day week, <laughs> you know, uh, and that changed because of a, you know, finally got something nice in my life. But, you know, other than that, what you see is what you get. This is not a gimmick. This is who I am. Uh, you say character or whatever the, you know, I take things from my experience and my experience in life. And I, and I put it into wrestling terms and put it out there because I, I believe people connect with things that are genuine, you know, and then I believe a lot of, a lot of that's missing in wrestling, but then, you know, I, I, I try not to be a jaded wrestling fan, but, but from what I've seen from WWE as of late, it seems like they're letting guys be more genuine. I haven't seen the last three Raws, though, but, you know, from all the other stuff I've seen as of late, it looks like they're letting guys do that. Because that's what got me during the Attitude Era, too. It seemed like a lot of guys, like the popular guys, or the guys who made money, like Austin and Rock and Foley, were all genuine. You know, I'm just naming those three. I know there's a lot more, but they were genuine, and people can connect to something that's real. That's not... They could tell that that's something that's forced or fake. Yeah. Definitely. Now, um, you've been a singles wrestler a lot of your career, but you also spent part of the time as a tag team. Um, who has been some of your favorite tag team partners over the years? Uh, I think everybody who I tagged up with, I learned from or, or uh, had fun with, or you could say, I can't just pick one, but the first two that popped in my head are, of course, my, when I broke in, I was originally in the tag team called the Wild Cards with Blackjack Marciano. Me and him were uh, friends outside of wrestling before we broke in. And, you know, being in there with a, with your close friend, you know what I mean? And, and being in the ring and the guy that you studied wrestling tapes with and trained with is awesome. Um, and the second name that pops out is Homicide, a guy who's my mentor who I looked up to when I was watching the indies and seeing where he came from, you know, he's a New Yorker too, and teaming up with him and learning from him is, is a great honor and also just a lot of fun. All right, you know, uh, pro wrestling is a tough sport no matter who you are. Uh, what has been the hardest part about pro wrestling uh, to you in your own experience, would you say? Keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> That's <enough>. probably the <laughs> hardest thing. All right. You know, not letting your opinions, you know, affect you and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have, everybody has an opinion and, you know, they're like assholes. Everyone got one and they all think. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't like to hear my opinions because I come off rough. Even if I can be telling you the sweetest thing in the world, I guess my tone is, uh, is a little rough. But, you know, yeah, keeping my mouth shut and choosing my battles. Those are the two hardest things I ever had to encounter in wrestling. All right. Now, um, you kind of mentioned Raw earlier, um, and the list of people that you've wrestled is basically who's who. What are your thoughts when you see people like CM Punk, like Claudio, Kevin Steen, uh, Samoa Joe, Chris Hero, all being in the WWE in NXT? Uh, good for them. That's really it. I, I can't really concern myself with what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I like them, then it's like, it's awesome. If I don't like them, then it's, I don't care. Absolutely. You know? 
because I got to wake up in the morning and I got to deal with myself. I got to deal with myself at shows and other and other things. You know, uh, I'm not going to hate on their success. Like I'm just very indifferent mm-hmm. to, the, to 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 a lot of those guys. Some of those guys I like a lot, and I'm very happy for them. You know, what I mean, and a lot of those guys remember where they came from. So, like, you, you know, if you text them or something, they'll they'll get right back to you. The other ones, you know, the other ones like Claudio. Do do whatever you got to do, man. I'm indifferent to you. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I I could care less. Now, uh, speak a little bit about WWE. Did you have any? I mean, do you have any desire at all to compete for them, or is it? I mean, you know, it's one of those things you ask everybody. And, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. I I think the people who tell you no. <laughs> That they're not, I, I think they're, they're, uh, they're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I think they're marks, and they're not good businessmen, because in America anyway, in America anyway, where are you going to make that money? If you're not exactly over in Japan, if you're not over, especially like New Japan, or if you're not over at a company that's making money, where are you going to go in America yeah. exactly. to make money? At this point in time, at this point, you never know what may pop up next. You know, I mean, I look at HOH as something that could pop up and be the next big thing, you know? Definitely. If anyone can do it, if anyone can do it, it's, it's the guys there or the guy there. But um, at this at this present point in time, if you want to live comfortably, you got to go there. So, of course, yeah, of course, I would, you know, if they call, if they give me a tryout, of course, I would love, I would love to do it and show them what I got. They may not like it, but, you know, at least I can say I tried. I tried. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Now, uh, if you stopped wrestling tomorrow, um, what would you consider your greatest match or your biggest achievement in wrestling so far? Uh, I say uh, if I stopped wrestling tomorrow, man, I, I wouldn't be satisfied. But, um, I don't think I'm ever going to be satisfied in my in my life in general. But um, I gotta say, the biggest accomplishment was just being part of Chikara, uh with the the return show, especially mm-hmm. when we had uh, thirteen hundred people in Eastern PA. You know, and that was a surreal moment to see that and the the come from you know, like I said, I was I was part of the second class, but I was also part of the first set of shows where there was. 12 people, eight people in an, in the audience in the beginning and where Jakar couldn't get covered because we were considered student shows. And now, you know, they do that big angle where they closed down for nine months, which took, took a real big pair to do that. And then come have that comeback show and have 1300 people there. Definitely. Um, now, what does the future hold of Eddie Kingston? Do you have like a five-year plan? Do you look into the future and say, man, and I don't know, five years, ten years, or something like that, I want to be doing this, or I don't know. What's the future hold for you? Oh, uh, my, my plan in five to ten years from now is to be alive still. It's <laughs> <laughs> to, to be breathing and not to be, not to be that guy at the bar. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? The old dude at the bar that's there every day drinking and... <laughs> You know, sums up with him and somewhere his life made a, a, a wrong turn. You know, definitely. I've seen a lot of those dudes. You know, so that that's really my only thing. And when it comes to wrestling, you know, I I used to stress out so much about what 
tomorrow will bring me in wrestling that it, it was almost detrimental to my health and to my mentality especially. Sure. At, at this point in time, I have a bunch of shows lined up for this year, and, I, and every show I'm on, I'm going to go out there and bust my ass. Whether people like me or not, you know, you're, you, you know, you're watching me. Like, uh, people make fun of me on, on Twitter for, I guess it's called vanity search. I call it searching. Searching my name and retweeting the hate stuff. Because the reason why I do that is, is because I find it really flattering <laughs> that, A, you thought about me that day. No matter if you like me or not, right? I appreciate the love. I really do. But that you hate me that much that you thought about me. And then that you hate me that much that you you actually spent time during your day when I don't even know who you are and I'm not even thinking <laughs> of you, but you spent time out of your day to think of me, let me rent space in your head and then actually type it <laughs> onto Twitter and, and, and let everyone know how you feel about me. Like, I don't know you, so I'm not going to write anything about you. So I, I find it flattering. That's why I retweet it and... You know, people are like, oh, you're a troll. You're this. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know, do I bust some of the fans' balls that don't like me? Yeah, because I think it's funny. It's 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 not because I'm mad at it. Because you can have your own opinion. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers I don't like. I may like them as people, but I mean, I don't like their ring work. You know what I mean? Or, or vice versa. You know, I may love their ring work and don't like them as a person. Sure. But you know, I mean, I'm not tweeting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So you know, either give me give me the love, give me the hate, but at least you know I'm there. After 13 years, and I get my balls busted when I you know when I let my ego out and I say, look, I've been relevant for X amount of years. Now you guys still tweeting about me or, or booing me or cheering for me or giving me compliments on Twitter or Facebook or or, or Reddit? Is is that what that thing? I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, to me, the internet is only really good for porn. Like, so I don't know <laughs> anything else. But uh, you know, I mean, you're keeping me relevant after 13 years, man, of doing this. I'm I'm just happy to be a little bit relevant still. Well, you uh, you mentioned Chikara, and obviously mm -hmm. you're wrestling for them July 25th in South Windsor, Connecticut. Um, what, yep. what do you and Ophidian have in store for the arcane horde? I don't, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I don't, you're just going to go out talk to him. I don't talk to him. See, when you force me to team with somebody, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. You know, man, I understand what the deal is with this battle of immortal stuff. And we're all trying to collect points and, and get, get title shots and, and, and all that stuff. I understand that, but everyone knows that the grand championship, as I like to call it, her. You know, it's basically, you know, I deserve another shot at it with points or without. But, you know, you got to go through what you got to go through. But when you team me up with people that, A, I don't hang out with on the regular, or, or B, I, just, I don't know, it's not going to be really, really good or fun, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know what is, what's going to happen. All I know is if I hit one of the arcade horde or material whoever i'm in there with once i hit them with the back fist or the saido or the american d then it's a it's a one two three to stay out of the way i'll get the points you know what i mean absolutely and that's really it all right well what do you have to say to people who uh, maybe dismiss shikara as a, like a silly promotion they're right but why not <laughs> what's wrong with that uh, ain't nothing <laughs> you have 
let me put it to I'll put it to you like this. Let's say WWE, which of course is the tops in America. You know what I mean? I have my own opinion what's the top promotion in the world, but in America, without a shadow of a doubt, WWE is number one. Let's say they're vanilla ice cream. Do you want to eat vanilla ice cream every day? Mm. Or every time you go out to store Cold Stone, I was almost like a cold, uh, so, but anyway, <laughs> Cold Stone or Carvel or in New York, people know what I'm talking about, Mr. Softy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't always want vanilla ice cream. You either want some sprinkles on it or, you know, uh, hot fudge on it. Or you may want chocolate ice cream. You know what I mean? Or like, like I said, the Cold Stone stuff, you, you add so much different stuff to your, to your ice cream. That's what Chikara is. Chikara is that weird Cold Stone ice cream that you put brownies and Reese's <laughs> Pieces in and, and fudge and, and, and all this crazy stuff that's not supposed to be in ice cream or not, not even supposed to be mixed together, you know? <laughs> Definitely. A bunch of candy bars and stuff. That's what Chikara is. So what's wrong with it being silly? Hey, nothing. If it's not your thing, it's, it's, yeah, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing, you know? Like, I'm, I don't knock nobody for not liking Chikara. Only time I knock people for not liking something is when they don't even watch it. Definitely. They just hear it from other people. So That's... they don't even know what it is. They just dismiss it before they even watch it because all oh, these guys are wearing masks. But that's what Lucha Libre is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. You're going to try to tell me guys like Ray Mysterio, Psychosis, La Barca, uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero when he wore a mask, Art Bar when he wore a mask, that they were dumb, they were silly. You know, I understand that I'm not comparing a car to that, but if you're just going by the mask thing, you know what I mean? Then everybody that wore a mask is stupid, then I guess. You know, because a lot of those guys that wore a mask sold out Arena Mexico and made money. And they're like gods in Mexico, you know? Yeah. So don't knock it until you see this. If it's still not your cup of tea, then move on. It's all, all right, brother. All I know is... in my opinion, for one person that doesn't like it, there's about three people who do. That's right. Uh, all I know is I want ice cream now. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not the only one, but I got to wait till Sunday. <laughs> Well, uh, where can fans, you know, you talked about Twitter and you're getting some, some hate on Twitter, but you don't care. But, I love uh, it though. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, where, they never tagged me in it, by the way. <laughs> uh, where can fans keep up with you on, on social media? Uh, at, uh, let me see. What's my thing on Instagram, Eddie Kingston 81. I like to do the hashtag day in the life when I'm on the road, taking pictures, doing videos of where I'm going. So this weekend, uh, I'll be at AAW and House of Hardcore in Toronto. So I'll have a couple things up. And uh, my Twitter tag name is so difficult because I have to take the car out of it because uh, sometimes I curse <laughs> or put rap lyrics up that aren't family friendly. So it's uh, Mad King underlying gimmick S-T-O-N 81. Awesome. Well, Hopefully everyone got that. If, if not, just uh, we'll tweet it out to him. Everyone hit up, hit up, everyone hit up Jigsaw, and I think Jigsaw Wrestling or something, and bother him for it. <laughs> Perfect, uh, Eddie Kingston. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, guys. You know, I, I appreciate the love. I appreciate you for wanting to have me on and, and listen to me talk. I appreciate it. 
right. Thanks again to Eddie Kingston. Guys, if you're listening right now, you heard uh, an interview from Eddie. But, guys, we also, on our YouTube page, on youtube.com slash anotherwrestlingpod, you guys can check out a lot of YouTube exclusives, uh, videos of things that we've done at shows. Uh, and and if, you any, if you missed any of the interviews on this podcast... We'll also throw them up uh, after a few weeks. So, uh, guys, youtube.com slash another wrestling pod to hear uh, a lot more than you're hearing right now. Uh, Jonathan, we're talking foreign objects. Um, you know, there have been many notorious wrestlers and managers who use them. Uh, if we could talk about, you know, foreign objects then versus now, could you kind of compare maybe a, an old classic foreign object compared to what they're doing now kind of a thing? Uh, does anything like that pop into your head? Yeah, you know, we mentioned it a lot of times, but the classic steel chair, that's happened a lot. Um, but nowadays, everything has to be bigger and better. So we saw an evolution of, you know, you can't just hit somebody with a table or a chair. You have to light it on fire or you have to wrap barbed wire around it. But now I think the probably the silliest thing that I've seen, but it's something because they're trying to change with the times, is when Dean Ambrose was going against Bray Wyatt and he grabbed the computer or the monitor, who you know, which was still plugged in, and he tried to hit him, and when he pulled the plug, all the sparks flew in his face. So um, I think they were trying to get a little more relevant with some of these foreign objects because people don't understand because it's not the Attitude Era. Why would you bring out a shopping cart, or <laughs> yeah. why would you bring out you know a, a garbage can? So um, I think that that one's something that they're trying to do now. Um, one of the classic ones that we've always talked about too was the guitar. So I think that that's kind of a timeless one. Um, you may still see that in, in, in wrestling matches around the world today. So um, I think that, you know, that there's going to be some mainstays. We mentioned the tables, the ladders, the chairs. Those probably won't go anywhere. But I think that some of them, because of the way the WWE is now, you'll probably see less barbed wire. Um, and, you know, you may see more steel cage matches or anything like that where you can use the stage or the cage as a weapon. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Brock Lesnar this past <laughs> two two Mondays ago may have just added an axe and a car door to his repertoire. <laughs> so that was pretty impressive. Action figure coming soon. Uh, you know, <laughs> it'll special Brock Lesnar figure will come now with an axe and a car door uh, to throw at all the other people. So that'd be great. Uh, but Jonathan, you know, uh, we're talking about foreign objects. Um, you know, ECW now. Let's talk about you know old school e- uh, foreign objects to where we mentioned you know the the salt that Mr. Fuji used to throw. Um, granted, you know this is before ECW happening, and now ECW takes form, right? Uh, and now they have nothing but extreme ma- matches from you know kendo stick matches, barbed wire matches, all this other whatever. Now it's pretty much like foreign object city uh, on ECW to where. Now it's like it's taking the foreign objects to an extreme level to where, hey, now there's just every match is based upon this almost. And uh, I don't know. Do you think ECW, not killed because they still do it, but, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, instead of just taking some rice or salt and throwing it into somebody's face, you know, now you know, there's matches dedicated to this 24-7 and whatnot. Do you think it was kind of like, hey, if this is just going to be special once in a while, we'll take this and use it as a mainstay kind of a show to where it should have been extreme foreign objects wrestling almost, right? Well, I think that with ECW, you get to see a lot of great things. So it wasn't always blood and guts, and you'd get to see some matches like Rey Mysterio versus Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah, or yeah. you know. So I don't think it was crazy. I actually applauded ECW. I'm not a big blood and guts 
wrestling kind of fan. I think the blood's okay if it's used in the right situation and all that. But uh, I applaud the ECW fans because they really were tasked with bringing in new weapons for the wrestlers to use every week. I saw somebody brought a Nintendo one time, <laughs> an actual Nintendo. Uh, I saw someone bring a kitchen sink because, you know, everyone said that they brought everything but the kitchen sink. There were frying pans. But one of the my favorites that they did in ECW was when a fan brought a sign that said, use my sign. And I would remember watching it thinking, like, why would they use the sign? It's just like a piece of cardboard. But he had an actual, like, road sign taped to the back of that. So whenever they hit him, you thought it was just going to be cardboard, but then it ended up being, like, an actual sign. So that was really cool. I don't think they overdid it. I think that there were some times that they were probably really close to overdoing it as far as those those all the Ford objects go. But um, if you have a Twitter, it's 2015. You should have a Twitter. Your mom, your grandma, your dog probably has a Twitter, and we're probably following all three of them. So get on the Twitter machine and tweet us out your favorite and least favorite foreign objects. We will talk about this on later shows, so we want to know what you guys think are great foreign objects. So, Steve, with that being said, I – and you and I both said earlier what our favorite foreign objects were. What do you have as your least favorite foreign object? Well, I'll tell you this. Least favorite because we were there live, Jonathan. I've seen this firsthand. And I'm just going to say it's my least favorite because it probably hurts the most. And that's right. We went to an interspecies wrestling show. Guys, if you haven't even heard about them or saw them, Google it. Uh, Jonathan, the Lego Deathmatch you know, the pen is mightier than the sword, and also the leg, the Lego is mightier than the barbed wire, I think you could probably say. Uh, guys, if you've ever stepped on a Lego before, you kind of understand the pain. Now try stepping on, like, thousands of them in a match. Um, Jonathan, I would, I would say definitely the Lego is definitely my least favorite for just how much pain I think is actually coming out of it. There's no way to fake a Lego. No, I, I'm pretty sure that that is one of the most painful things that you could do. Um, and uh, we love interspecies wrestling. We know that they have a show coming up in October. It's actually going to be on Halloween this year. So interspeciesWrestling.com. Um, definitely look up the Lego match. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. That's a that's a really ridiculous foreign object. <laughs> Jonathan, if you had to pick one, man, what would you say? What's your what's the least favorite one you actually like seeing? Maybe least favorite that I like to see. It's probably the bowling ball because everybody would bring it out and then they would like somebody would be like laying in the corner and they would just throw it right between their legs and hit somebody in the junk. And just as just it's just so painful to think about. So that's probably like my guilty pleasure as far as foreign objects go. It's one that I would never want done to me, but it's funny whenever it happens to somebody else. That's right. All right, Jonathan. Well, joining us right now, uh, we have Poughkeepsie native uh, Vic Delicious joining us right now in the studio. Yeah. You know, technically, I'm not even really supposed to be here right now. So fuck it. Might as well make the most of it. Cinderella man. 
Cinderella man, Cinderella man, Cinderella man. All right, another wrestling podcast would like to welcome back a man who's helping change the wrestling world one show at a time. This Saturday, you can catch him at Toronto, Ontario, Canada, as he takes part in House of Hardcore 9. Here is Vic Delicious. Vic, man, how you doing? Wow, thank you guys so much for having me. Your uh, congratulations on all your success. This, this thing has gotten quite big since the last time I was on here. Thanks, man. Uh, but same yeah. to you, man, with uh, House of Hardcore. Uh, how's that going? We got a big show this weekend? House of Hardcore is crazy, man. Yeah, we uh big show Saturday night, live on the Fight Network. Um, a big special uh, from Toronto, Canada. And, you know, biggest pre-sale so far that we've ever had for people that are Guaranteed, definitely coming, which is really cool to know. Uh, you know, come a long way from the days where we were counting every head that walked in the door. So, very cool. It's very cool that Tommy's uh, vision really got us to this place. Now, you just mentioned uh, that you're going to be in how you know Canada. It's your debut there. Uh, what are you personally looking most forward to, to the, with this event? Oh, well, it's my very first time I actually get to wrestle outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, after being in wrestling for 15 years and getting to do all kinds of different things, it was my very first opportunity to wrestle internationally. Very excited about it. And, um, you know, I think that would probably be my biggest thing is I get to, I've never been to Toronto. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to checking out that whole thing, seeing what the whole scene's about, and enjoying the show. It's going to be a crazy weekend. Sure. Uh, now, you've done a little bit of everything in the wrestling business, but uh, which is more nerve-wracking, wrestling or, you know, maybe some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that takes place that you're in charge of? Um, on show, Nothing beats show day, man. Like, it, it is just insanity. It is the time to perform. And, like, not only am I wrestling, but I'm also handling, like, whatever else needs to be done. So, uh, you know, I've been in charge of the ring crew for the last few shows, uh, you know, different, different, different ideas and making, making things happen. And all of a sudden guys just become available and show up and there's surprises and there's, it's just craziness how it all goes down on show day. So as much as wrestling itself is nerve wracking, especially like the highest level, when you get to, you know, especially with a show that's house hardcore, that's something that we help create. Um, you know, it's a very nerve wracking day for sure. Now, uh, we have to ask, we've been looking at the website, we've been seeing some of these awesome matches that are going to take place. Uh, what role are you going to have on the show this Saturday? We want to know. Well, if you've been paying attention, I think you can probably tell where I'll be at. What do you think? If you got to take a guess, what do you think I'll be doing? I'm, I'm hoping to see some, some retribution with, the, with Team Tremendous. Well, I think that's going to happen, brother. <laughs> that's, there's, ab- there's absolutely no way that I'm not going to go international and get my chance at retribution. So <laughs> I think that's definitely going to go down, yeah. Awesome. I think it's some of the some of the best wrestling that I've seen for a long time, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, we get a chance to present uh, this whole thing on a really big platform this weekend, so everybody's going to bring their A-game and uh, have a chance to get in there with those guys, or no matter who it is, but especially if it's with those guys, um, that's going to be something really special. It has been the last few times, and I can't imagine this being any different. Sure. Uh, now, with this being uh, House of Hardcore number nine, do you have a personal favorite House of Hardcore? Um, the last one. The last one that we that we just did um, from Philly. 
our match couldn't have gone any better. I, you know, I lost, but otherwise it was a great match. We had a ton of surprises on the show. Um, you know, it was just a great atmosphere sold out. We had a really awesome set. Everything went, you know, as good as it could. It was finally, we were using our ring. It was part of, like, it was our whole deal. All, it all culminated last show, so um, this one's going to be really cool, too. Now, uh, not only is House of Hardcore, the, the show's, are they doing great? But you also, it's been three years since the House of Hardcore Wrestling Academy has opened its doors. Um, we've seen some of the students even graduate, such as Ben Ortiz. Uh, as one of the trainers, how does it feel to have personally helped someone start to achieve their dreams? Well, especially with Ben, you know, he's doing so well for himself right now. He's, uh, he's gotten a look from every major company has had a chance to take a look, finally starting to see the results of that as far as maybe getting an opportunity somewhere. If not, it being just a big opportunity to be on House of Hardcore at his stage in his career, you know, uh, he's standing right next to me, you know, on the ring apron last show, and uh, he's getting a chance to accomplish everything he ever set his mind out to. And Ben's, like, totally been focused since the first day he walked into the school and to see how far he's come and the success he has and the leadership that he brings to the table. Um, he's always there when I need him. He helps out with the school in every possible way that we could ever ask for. Uh, he's just a good all-around dude. I couldn't be any prouder to have him be our first graduate. Awesome. Uh, now, it's, it's safe to say HOH has had a tremendous year. You know, you guys were picked up by the Fight Network, uh, which has aired uh, every HOH show leading up to this Saturday. It's even going on as we speak. Uh, are there any plans to extend that partnership with uh, the Fight Network, or you guys maybe looking to take HOH somewhere else down the line? Or I don't know if you can even, you know, maybe give some hints towards that. Well, I think Tommy said it himself. It's, this weekend is the a big test and there's going to be people that are going to be paying attention to what we do in Toronto in every aspect of entertainment and just being a fight network whether it be any other channel that's looking at a different kind of wrestling product um, Tommy's been the guy that's led that whole revolution kind of thing and uh, this weekend if it does really well and we saw that building out we had the, the kind of show that we're capable of having where it's just flows awesome one thing leads into another with surprises and you know everybody just brings it um you can see house of hardcore on a much bigger platform who knows now um for fans on the east coast or i guess anywhere else in the world who may be on the fence about taking the trip to toronto to see hoh uh what would you tell them right now i would tell them that this is going to be the most talked about wrestling event of 2015 and you're going to want to be there in person to see it. You know, every single one of these weekends, it seems, has a wrestling show that makes that claim. But I know that we're going to bring it this weekend. A lot has gone into making the show uh, stand out and be far and away the best. The bringing it to Toronto, um, having the highest pre-sale so far that we've ever had for a show, all of the television uh things with Fight Network going on where we're finally being broadcast live out there to, you know, people in Toronto get that television channel right there in their homes. Like, it's it's a very cool and big opportunity, and everybody's going to want to say that they were there live. They want to get that T-shirt. They're going to want to have that DVD say that they were there and a part of it. So if you're, you're close by and you can swing through, uh, tell them you're going for some French fries and gravy, and uh, come see House of Hardcore. 
perfect. Uh, now, to date, uh, HOH has had shows in our uh, hometown, your hometown, Poughkeepsie, Philadelphia, California, now Canada. Uh, is there any place set in the future, in your mind at least, where you would want to take HOH next? Well, uh, the, the big thing that we have coming up is House of Hardcore is going to be heading to Australia this December. Uh, oh, wow which is a huge deal for House of Hardcore. You know, that's very international. That's no, uh, there's no option of driving to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so House of Hardcore is like just getting the opportunities that are coming our way and the chance to bring it to a different country like that. And the fact that there's enough demand to even want that to happen is by far and away exceeding our expectations and the amount of time that it's taken to get there. So, um, you know, there's. I know for a fact of two other cities in the United States that have already. There's already deals to go down for a House of Hardcore event there, so um, it's going to be a very interesting rest of 2015. Awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, what are some of your favorite House of Hardcore moments so far? Um, when Alberto Del Patron came out was an amazing goosebump rush just because of the surprise factor and people never thought that that didn't think that was going to go down but it did uh ran a stereo the last one was uh, also you know a huge surprise and like who would have thought ran a stereo would be on our show you <laughs> know awesome. it, it was absolutely nuts to see him just to be standing next to him in the back like wow this is really about to happen this is crazy um the very first half of hardcore, I can't forget, you know, how awesome the first one was and when that video played the start the feeling that I had was just like unbelievable, the goosebumps and uh, the history of the Mid Hudson City Center and how we were getting a chance to bring out the hardcore there. It was absolutely uh, a memory that I would never ever be able to forget. So, you know, then that's that's really starting to begin of all of these shows and I get a chance to be in those matches with uh Team Tremendous and I'll, I'll never forget when he did uh, gave me the head scissors and then he nipped up to the feeling of the crowd. I was actually like, the ring was vibrating from the sound of the crowd that he nipped up. <laughs> uh, it was insane. So uh, you can imagine how it went when he did a Canadian Destroyer last show. So who knows what this one's going to be. Awesome. Uh, now, uh, there are some amazing wrestling promotions out there today, but what do you think sets uh, HOH apart from uh, every other company? Tommy Dreamer. No other company has Tommy Dreamer 100% with his vision of what pro wrestling should be and the talent roster that he's able to put together for guys that just love to be around Tommy and would do anything for him. So, you know, he's personally invested in the careers of almost every guy that's on these shows. I, I know stories of him with almost every one of these people where he's, tried, he's gotten them jobs. Um, you know, been around them for 20, 30 years. Like every single person that's on the show is a guy that Tommy Jr. has handpicked to be there. And that's what keeps us apart from what everybody else is because there's no other vision that clouds it. There's no, no nothing else that gets in the way. It's what Tommy Jr. wants. Um, and he's a heck of a meme and a mind to speak of on his own. So, you know, with, we bring gritty wrestling. We try to up the production value just a little bit. But it's your old school, like, everybody's got a place on the show, and it kind of just all fits together. Some new guys up and coming, some guys you never heard of, you're going to hear from them in the future, 
And then just as you've seen, like, with, you know, some of the guys that have been signed and on TV and we were airing their matches on HOH TV at the same time. It's crazy. Kevin Owens, you know, he was on HOH and boom, he's also on NXT and then now he's on Raw. Um, that, that feels crazy too. Tommy has a knack for picking out the guys that um, are on the radar. Now, most people within the business today, you just mentioned, you know, Kevin Owens, NXT, all of those sorts of things. Um, most people within the business say that wrestling's experiencing a boom period. Uh, with everything that you're seeing and helping facilitate, do you think that this is true? I certainly feel that way. Um, I feel like the wrestling boom period is for a something different. Uh, it's just all the all the. It's, Fan interaction that I have and everything is they're always just happy that they got the they've got an alternative. And everybody likes to see the small thing get big. You know, then once it gets big, everybody tries to pay it down. But and everyone likes to see that that competition and in the wrestling world right now. What's better than watching wrestling on a Wednesday night, right? Yeah, right. you get everything. So um, the fact that they did that there, you know, I wouldn't necessarily always believe everything you read. Or what everyone says, TV negotiations are a very fickle thing, so I've learned to, to see. And, um, you know, and it's just, you could, uh, it could go either way. And I think to have the television product in 2015 is important, but the way that wrestling is being delivered right now through, uh, you know, WWE Network and all these local channels that are offering things and, um, my personal feeling that that's the direction that media is going to go in for how people are going to, you know, the cord cutters. Um, that's how people are going to get their television. So you know, having a TV deal doesn't necessarily to be all end all of your, your company. You just have to be able to promote wrestling and um, do it well. I don't know if that gives your answer. I don't know. No, <laughs> absolutely. No. Sure. Now, uh, uh, what is one thing that you would love to have uh, that you'd love to see happen at uh, HOH uh, that maybe hasn't happened thus far? Is there anything still, uh, maybe I don't know, short-term goals or anything? I don't know that you just still want to happen that hasn't happened. Uh, if Stone Cold would come out and give Sandman a stunner, that would pretty much make my <laughs> night. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome to see on HOH show to end it? No, um, now I'm, I have a question because you're, like I said, you're in it, you're in the belly of the beast. You're, you're doing a little bit of everything. Um, we, we've always heard about Tommy dreamer kind of being one of those guys that, uh, you know, back in WWE, he used to eat weird things and stuff. Is there any, any funny moments with Tommy dreamer that you can share, I guess, uh, that have happened so far with you working with him? Um, the one, there's a all-you-can-eat sushi place here in uh, beautiful, crime-free downtown Poughkeepsie, New York. And <laughs> I remember going with him to all-you-can-eat sushi, and like I wasn't like the biggest. I'm not still the biggest sushi guy, but I can have like you know a roll or two and try some different things. But Tommy Dreamer went through like 65 pieces of sushi. <laughs> or 65, I think it was 65 rolls or something. Like, wow. It was like an absolute ridiculous amount of sushi. Like, <laughs> That they were begging for us to leave, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was; he would eat it. And then you have to eat everything, or they charge you extra. So he would just. There was no stopping him. I don't know how he did it. I really don't know how he did it. 
Well, perfect. We'll have to, we'll have to <laughs> ask him next time we talk to him. Uh, now, everybody uh, who's listening to who's listening right now, houseofhardcore.net for all your uh, HOH updates about this weekend and uh, future happenings. Uh, but, uh, Vic, lastly, give us your best, uh, I don't know, promo, your best pitch for House of Hardcore 9 this Saturday for fans that are maybe, like we said, on the fence or just, you know, are, that are going or anything you want to tell us about. Well, this Saturday, you get a chance to see the best wrestling company in the world doing their thing in front of a world audience on Fight Network. Um, if you don't have Fight Network, get it so you can watch this show. You can just buy it for the, the weekend if you want to. Um, or, you know, come drive up there and check it, check it out. This show is awesome. The confirmed matches that we have set, Young Bucks versus Team 3D. You got Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, two guys that I know very well, versus... Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, what an awesome match that's going to be. Those guys are tag team champions in Japan. We got Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, Ring of Honor tag team champions. Well, it's crazy. Dreamer versus Chris Hero. John Hennigan versus Tony Nese is a match that I wanted to see for a long time. Um, those two guys, whew, that's going to be amazing. We got Eddie Kingston's going to be there. Thea Trinidad, Team Tremendous, JT Dunn. Ben Ortiz, Pepper Parks, and of course, you got me, the wrestling savior, Vic Delicious. Um, so, if that's not something that's going to make you tune in, then I don't know what you like in your wrestling. But uh, we guarantee you it's going to be a weekend that everybody's going to be talking about. going to be getting a lot of clicks on those wrestling dirt sheet sites. Everybody's going to want to know what happened. See it for yourself. Well, we've had you on the show before. But just in case people still don't know, where can they follow you and on, on social media? I think the best place to follow me is on Twitter, at McDelicious, B-I-K-D-A-L-I-S-H-U-S. Um, that's where I pretty much just post my general thoughts and feelings and uh, pictures. And sometimes I'm uncensored. Sometimes I'm very censored, which I hate. Uh, but uh, that's the best place to follow me. Anybody wants to book me, that's where you can also get contact me. Um, you can follow me on Facebook and Vic Delicious also. Um, and we have a very popular Facebook page with the name Vic Hale. So me and my old buddy Hale Collins are on a joint Facebook page. So check us out there too. All right, Vic, thanks so much, and we'll see you this weekend. All right, guys. Later. All right. Well, we want to thank Vic Delicious for stopping by today. Uh, can't wait to find out more about House of Hardcore 9. Guys, get online, houseofhardcore.net. It's on Fight Network, and you can see it there live, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Tickets still on sale, but they're going fast. That's right, guys. Also, check us out on facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. Like us. Uh, message us, let us know uh, any shows that's going on that you love or whatnot. Like I said, you can reach us there too. Give us a like. We have two great opportunities to come and see us coming up. Uh, do you want to tell them about any of those? Sure, Jonathan. Uh, hey, guys. In one week's time, we will have the Chico Man, Tito Santana, live and in person at Tito Santana's Taqueria, July 18th from 12 to 2 p.m. in Beacon, New York. Guys, when can you say you met Tito Santana at Tito Santana's Taqueria while eating a taco? Uh, guys, Korea. Taqueria. Come meet him, greet him, eat a taco, talk to us, debate Jonathan. Uh, 
tell me how much you love Bret Hart. You know, it, it's all going to go down, guys. For more information, head on over to tacosantana.com. You can find the address. Uh, go to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. All the info is on there. Uh, what, what? How many times, Jonathan, could, could one say that they met Tito Santana at Tito Santana's Taqueria? This is, this is the this first is, time. This is the first time. This is just yet another reason to keep up with another wrestling podcast. We're going to do big things. We did tons of big things in year one. Year two, it started off with a bang. And if you don't get to see us at Tito Santana's Taqueria, I urge you all to come out August 1st, Dutchess County Stadium in Dutchess County, New York. We will be live at Wrestling Under the Stars, a Northeast Wrestling production. We will be bringing in none other than the genius Lanny Poffo. Now, he had mentioned, if he can remember, he's going to be bringing his brother's Hall of Fame ring, the Macho Man's ring, as well. So, in two weeks, or in two different you know, instances with us, you're going to get to eat a taco with Tito Santana and see Macho Man's Hall of Fame ring. Do you, I mean, can you think of anything better than that? I, I don't know. I just hope it fits my hand, you know. <laughs> I'm putting it on. I don't know about you. No, I, it's going to happen. I'm definitely going to put it on. I'm going to put on my best Macho Man uh, outfit, probably do a little finger sweep in the air and uh, put on a nice little Macho Man impersonation. Well, that's the show. We want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening today. That's right, Steve. Every week we create something for you to listen to, and it's absolutely free. If you are wondering out there how you could repay us, well, we just have one thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're over there, be sure to rate us and uh, give us a good review. Hey, if you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Hey, we're all over social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Just Google it. And if you're an AWP super fan, you can also show your support by going over to prowrestlingtees.com and buying one of our official AWP shirts. We're going to be adding new designs all the time. We couldn't do the show without any one of you, so be sure to tune in next week. <sighs> Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast.